0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Journeyman Fire Podcast. I'll be your host today, Grant Schwalbe. With me, I'm excited to have one of my friends, Brian Brush. He's making such a difference in the fire service. And what we're going to be talking about today is the civilian rescue project that he was working on uh, as part of his master's program. Some awesome numbers came out of this. We're going to dive into this and spend about the next half hour just picking it all apart. And uh, let's get after it. How you doing, Brian. I'm doing good, man. Nice to uh nice to catch up with you. Yeah, absolutely. Where are you joining us from today?
1: Um right now I'm in fire tactics uh 2-day command and control uh class. So um it it's quite appropriate we're on on break right now, so still uh still talking fire even at lunch.
0: That's cool. So tell us a little bit about the project that you're working on. This is actually
1: part of my my master's program at Oklahoma State in uh, in fire uh, in emergency management. So, um, I've been in the, uh, in the master's program there for five years now, obviously being a working dad, it's, it's not, uh, not something that I can really kind of knock out. So I've been doing, uh, basically a, a class a semester, um, working through this uh, master's program and, uh, to complete the master's program, you either have to do a thesis or a practicum and I've chosen to do a, a practicum and, and basically the practicum is, um, is creating something so uh, it is kind of similar to the um, executive fire officer program, and that they have the applied research papers where you the whole purpose is to apply uh, some of the knowledge that you 're learning in the program to actual practice so um, I kind of have that foundation i 've been through the EFO program, but now to complete the master 's degree i 'm working on this and uh, and this is my my final project for the degree program and I'll be graduating uh, this May. So um, what it is basically is uh, you know the firefighter rescue survey has been around since uh, 2015. Uh, we've done a really good job of, of learning more about how rescues are happening. Um, every year we're getting more and more uh, rescue surveys back as the program is, is, is being uh, better broadcast and, and better uh, publicized and more people are finding out about um, the information and the value of it that we're getting from those surveys. But uh, the missing piece was was how many uh, rescues were happening. And uh, we all had our guesses and our assumptions, but um, that's become the mission of my project is to really figure out how many people we are saving for fires every year and, uh, and tracking it down uh, using kind of the same format that the U.S. Fire Administration uses to um, determine the number of civilian Fire fatalities. So, um, what I've done is is through uh, a variety of different applications, uh, track down news alerts every day for uh, for rescues from fires. Uh, go through those, filter through them, find out which ones are um, actual hands-on rescues by firefighters, not by police, not you know these different things, and and really whittle it down to the true rescue interventions that that firefighters in PPE are making with with equipment. And, um, and I did that for a full three months. So the first 90 days of the year, I tracked those down and we ended up with 881 uh, documented rescues in the first 90 days of 2021. And uh, with each one of those rescues, I would go through find out what the fire department was that that made the rescue find their contact email and send them a direct message email uh, or contact through their websites and have them or request that they fill out a firefighter rescue survey. So of the 881 rescues we documented um, in those first um, 90 days, we got 247 rescue surveys back. So once again, we, we knew we were getting a lot of surveys out there, but we didn't know how many. And uh, it's pretty exciting to now start to see that we um, were actually capturing uh, the hows of about 28 to 30 percent of, of the rescues that are actually occurring out there. So it's really been eye-opening, man. I I was excited about the project to start, but to be um, putting together the numbers for the first 90 days and to be see, see that uh, firefighters are rescuing almost 10 people a day and to see that we are, um, you know, on the verge of capturing uh, detailed information about a third of those rescues, I think we are very, very close to really starting to advance our uh, whole profession uh, towards uh, a, a higher attention to, um, you know, positive outcomes for civilians.
0: What were you most surprised about by this, by the data that you were getting back? Man, I, I think it's just uh, the,
1: it's the number of rescues. I mean, I think uh, we we certainly, when we look at, at the information we're collecting from the surveys, um, there ha- hasn't been a a huge uh, shift in the percentages. We're just getting more surveys back. So when we see that the survival rate um, for s- rescues uh, by firefighters was around 70%, um, it's increased to 74%. We've gotten a, a greater number of rescues back. So there's been slight changes in the in the uh, percentages with regard to operations and things on the survey level, but um, to for the for the first time ever to know that uh, that this many fireground rescues are happening a day is is really probably the, the most surprising um, we've all constantly heard throughout our careers that you know say nine you know eight or nine civilians die a day in house fires and that's that's really concerning um, but to know that we're saving you know we are actively removing uh 10 civilians from fires a day. And, uh, and seven of those 10 are surviving. That is, that is probably some of the most motivating information that, that I've come across and what is the most exciting about this project.
0: Absolutely. I think before your study and then before the, the information from firefighter rescue survey, we looked at that NFPA, uh, study and we were looking at 2,400 to 3000 annual fire deaths, but that was the only thing we measured. And, uh, it seemed like we started getting, as we started diving into the numbers, we just wanted to keep seeing that lower and lower. Uh, but that's not actually capturing what we're doing. And until you did this, this paper, the ten rescues a day, that just blows me away. The end of thing- that's, oh, go that's ahead.
1: kind of a that's that what's kind of interesting about that too is, um, and because I've had people, you know, ask right away. It's like so. For example, there was eight hundred and ten in the first ninety days. There was eight hundred and ten fire fatalities and uh and we recorded 881 um fire ground rescues um now it's that doesn't just mean that 70 survived you know that that's what we have to clarify with people there's you know 810 civilian fire home fire fatalities but a lot of those fatalities are found um after the fire you know people that didn't make it out uh there were you know body recoveries or or bodies found in fires um so when we look at the numbers you can't just subtract 810 fatalities from the 870 rescues uh, the rescues are the removals of the victims from the fire um and and with that data set with that 881 seeing that 74% survival rate i mean we we really we really, really are making a difference when, when our firefighters are, are putting their hands on victims, getting them out, getting them to EMS care, and transitioning them to uh, treatment and transport.
0: Some other things that jumped out to me that I didn't expect, I think during the previous studies that, uh, from NFPA, it was 13% of fires, there were multiple fatalities. But of multiple rescues, uh, your data showed something different. You want to hit that just a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that is, you know, you bring up a good point in that, um, you know, the, the, and there's two parts to this. One is the the number of victims and then also we'll get into the occupancies. But um, yeah, the percentage of multiple fatality fires is, is relatively low, but the percentage of multiple uh, victim rescues is, is pretty high. Um, And and you're absolutely right. I think on uh, the single family dwellings, you know, we had, well, just to back up, there was 440, I think 440 incidents or 460 incidents total, I have to check the numbers, um, that yielded the 880 occupants. So almost, you are averaging almost uh, two victims rescued per fire that has a rescue. Um, so it is it is much higher that we are more likely to have multiple rescues when a rescue exists. And I mean, you, you'll hear those stories about the the dad going back in for the kids and ending up being another victim. You'll, you know, we have uh, elderly couples in houses. So um, it it is interesting to see that that we can almost kind of and, and back to that whole expect victims uh, really putting an emphasis on that pluralness that that you can expect where there's one there will be many. Um, when it gets into apartment fires, you know, here's, you know, back to the percentages. Uh, multifamily dwelling fires only, only really are about 20 to 30% of the nation's fires. Uh, there's just, there's way more home fires than there are uh, apartment building fires. But they account for almost 50% of the victims. And, and what we found is um, at apartment fires, multiple dwelling fires uh, that had rescues, the average number of people rescued from apartment fires was was closer to three. It was like 2.8 victims per uh, multifamily dwelling fire that had rescues. So, it is a lot higher, you know. And the, these are the types of things that we need to be aware of. We um, we've certainly always said that we need to increase our responses to apartments because they have the potential higher life safety, uh, higher life hazard. Um, but if you're a smaller organization, you, you have to front load these incidents. If, if we uh, really look at these numbers, we look at a lot of other statistics and we bring it together. If you're still responding a, a single family dwelling response to an apartment building, uh, you, you are quickly going to find yourself behind the eight ball. Um, especially when we dive down further into the information we're getting from the surveys that most rescues take two to three people to execute. Um, now you start to do the math and, and you're looking at the full commitment of two to three companies, uh, just for rescues at these multifamily dwelling fires.
0: The other thing I, uh, I noticed towards the tail end of your project was the departments with five or more fire ground, uh, rescues in the first quarter, uh, New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Charlotte, Minneapolis, Wichita, Cincinnati, Fort Worth, Cleveland, and Jacksonville. Um, can you talk about those areas just a little bit or, or, uh, why you think they're a little bit higher?
1: You know, this is a, this is a tough one because I, I don't, I don't really know that there's a whole lot to to take from that. Some of it is, is, is news coverage. You know, we, the, my source is the U S uh, news media, just the same as the civilian fire fatality. So, um, when we look at at these statistics. And even if you look at the breakdown by state, um, it doesn't quite line up. You would expect kind of the rescues by population to be there, but uh, you have states like Pennsylvania that have a really high number of of rescues um, compared to California that has 38 million people. So uh, some of it is, uh, are the rescues making the news um, versus them actually occurring? But uh, what I wanted to highlight with the city part is that, you know, there, as far as, you know, municipalities reporting the rescues, there's a lot of places where, uh, you know, we, where rescues are happening pretty frequently. When we get into the five or more incidents, that means that a lot of these cities are averaging um, one to two incidents with a rescue a month. Um, you know and and I've reached out to some other departments and and they've contacted me back but uh, you know for example Phoenix Fire Department they they reached out to me and started uh, kind of an email chain about rescue reporting within the Phoenix Fire Department and um, I believe that they had um, one of the deputy chiefs had told me that they had had about seven uh, fire ground rescues already this year Uh, and I didn 't come across that many of them in the news so it it's important for us to really maybe start looking for these more um, because they are a testament to our work they are are great news stories, but they are great motivators for our people. Back to what you were saying you know we we just wanted to reduce the number of civilian fire fatalities we thought that that would be a win but you know, as a firefighter going into work, what's going to be more motivating when you come into work if they say, you know, eight civilians died in the last 24 hours in fires, um, or you come into work and, and you hear, you know, 10 civilians were rescued by firefighters in the last 24 hours, what is going to get you out of the bed, you know, quicker, and and with greater purpose, um, which one of those kind of uh, of stories, and it's definitely more towards the uh, the rescue side we want to know that what we're doing makes a difference because I think we've all been to those house fires uh, with the fatality and and the message to us is well you know there's nothing you could have done and that's you know we, we don't want to feel that way we don't want to know that eight people are dying in house fires every day and, and there's nothing that we could have done every time we report a rescue that is messaging to our people there is something you can do and uh and I think that that's that's really probably greater than anything that what I want to do is, is to, to be motivating our future and giving people purpose. And I think that this is probably one of the greatest tools we
0: have for that. Absolutely. While we're talking about the, those bigger cities, uh, they seem, you know, New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, uh, even Wichita, uh, have a, have a storied culture. And I know, uh, I do the sister podcast, the grabs. It's hard to get people from those big cities to talk about anything. And, um, it's also hard for them. They say, Oh, well that doesn't count. That doesn't count. And I think a lot of uh, the misconception is it's got to be a heroic rescue to count as a, as the firefighters making a difference. And we just want people to, to, to report that stuff, but we want to break down that culture a little bit. And if you're not sharing the information and sharing the stories with us, we can't learn from them. Um, so uh, transitioning a bit, your, your project, came to an end where do we go from here as a fire service how do we keep getting this information or how do we make any changes to to keep this going because the information is just priceless that you put together
1: you know i i think my um my big purpose is to uh to get us to um to really true rate, do a true hard restart um here in, in a couple of years and uh, America Burning is, is a major foundation for me. It's it's the it's the white paper of the Fire Service that really established uh, the modern Fire Service. Um, and if we look back at 1973 when that document was published, um, it it was a pivotal time for America. It was it was the the heart of the war years, and we should all be students of that. But um, that is you know as much as that defined the modern Fire Service and established the National Fire fire service as we know it today. Um, it isn't the current modern fire service. Uh, 1973, we, we were not an interior fire service. We were It was a pre-SCBA fire service. It was a pre-thermal uh, protection uh, fire service. It was a pre-thermal uh, imager fire service. And when we look back at 1973, the message was to, just like you said, reduce losses. Reduce the fire losses, reduce the fire deaths. Um, Interior operations for rescue was not an intervention we could have applied back then. Um, When we look at today, 50 years later, as we approach 2023, we really need to say, given what we know now, given the differences that we've made, how can we we further this? And I, I truly believe that 50 years later, we need to clearly recognize that the fire service has the intervention of interior rescue as an impact uh, point for re- reducing civilian fire deaths. And um, I think then enter search is going to be a part of that I think ground ladder rescues are going to be a part of that I-, I think we've done a great job over the last 50 years of reducing loss through prevention, we've reduced our fires, our fire total numbers by Uh, a massive amount from about a million home fires in in the 70s down to about 300,000 home fires today. So we've reduced the frequency of the event. Uh, Now we need to start reducing the severity of the event and we need to really um, get engaged on those uh, those life-saving actions um, of rescue. So um, I say where we go next with the fire service, Um, I've been very, very purposeful in, in the five years of my study at Oklahoma State. Um, I'm very purposeful with the next two years and, and I hope to, uh, with the timing of America burning, uh, coming up on 50 years in 2023 to really try to roll out something with some momentum, uh, that the next 50 years, uh, we focus our attention on, on rescue interventions.
0: I think every time period has had their thing. It was, seemed like it was rapid intervention, um, had their 10 year or whatever stint uh, as a training push Uh, hose and nozzle work has made their push. And I love to see around the country that people are uh, focused on the, the the rescue, making the grabs, doing the searches. And I think the coolest part about this whole uh, movement is we're all sharing information. There's no turf wars. There's no, I'm teaching this, you're teaching that it's, it's guys putting stuff, uh, you know the fire the information from firefighter rescue survey and just sharing stuff and uh it's really about them which is really cool to see
1: yeah i mean you know to your point the rapid intervention um and and what has worked um i I think that's pretty much all we need to do is just to and there was a statement the other day that i saw that said uh you know, you're you're not starting over from scratch. You're starting over from experience, and and I, I truly believe that that's what we need to do. Um, I'm not saying we need to change a whole lot. I'm just saying we need to apply the the methods that have worked for us in other areas to the civilian rescue. And when we look at the the methods that have worked, are the preventing fires, the messaging to the public about prevention of fires. Uh, has worked. So we need to do that with the close before you doze. Tell them, you know, all the things that have done to reduce the number of fires, we need to use those same programs and techniques to message out close before your doze so we can get the victims to isolate and buy us time to make the rescue. Um, Same thing with the fires, as you're talking about with RIT. I got some numbers here from the U.S. Fire Administration that um, since, uh, since 1977, the U.S. fire fatalities at US firefighter fire fatalities at structure fires has dropped by more than 80%. Um, in the 70s, the traumatic death rate for firefighters inside structures was 2.5 firefighter deaths per 100,000 structure fires. And uh, in the last five years, that number has been less than one firefighter death per 100,000 structure fires in the US. So we've reduced the firefighter death rate at structure fires by to less than one per 100,000 structure fires. When we look at the civilian fire fatalities, it is actually up. In the 1970s, it was around seven per 1,000 fires, and it's now closer to eight per 1,000 fires. So um, we are moving the needle in the right direction for firefighter safety. We have never been safer at fires. We've never known more about our environment than we do today with all the UL and NIST information. We've never been better protected, better equipped um, than we ever have been. Um, And we are seeing the difference in that in our life safety. We need to take all those tools, methods and and techniques and apply them to the other side and and really um, start to make an impact on the civilian side.
0: So the million dollar question is how do we continue to get the metrics that you got moving forward? Man, I, I
1: I hope that, I hope that I can do two things. I can demonstrate the value of it. I can, I can show people how important it is for us to know this. Um, I hope that that the IAFF sees that, that firefighters are rescuing 10 people a day and they start messaging that to, the, to our communities, that that this is what firefighters do every single day. I hope that fire chiefs can see that um, when firefighters are involved in a rescue, the occupant has a 74% chance of survival, meaning that we can risk more to save more. Um, I hope that people can understand how much information we get out of the rescue surveys that can drive our training and our operations towards greater efficiency and, and knowledge. Um, so I hope to create value in in the in the data and people can see that. But I also hope at the same time that they can see that I'm a I'm a father of three. I'm a training chief at a at a department and I'm a master's student. So if I was able to at an hour to two hours a day, collect this information as a student with all else I have going, that it is possible for the fire service to commit somebody to this or some organization to this to start capturing it in a professional way. Because if I can do it as a project, as a, as a, a sliver of my life, imagine what we could get from this type of approach if we truly dedicated resources and in time time to it
0: outstanding do you think there's any chance of changing how we do our reporting we've all got to do fire reports and that gets reported up Is is that a piece of this puzzle
1: um i get asked this quite a bit like well you know um can we just change inference to do this and i i don't i don't want to see that I, i as a as a student, as a researcher, I think it's important to have a a few different things. I think it's important to have multiple uh, points of references. I think INFRS is really, really good at what they do collect. I think the system is well-established. They have decades of of data. It needs to continue in its state um, with its purpose. Um, I think that the firefighter rescue survey needs to continue as it is, as a qualitative survey tool, the data set that it is, and then I need think we need to capture the number of rescues. If we can use a combination of things, if we can have multiple data sources and we can have both quantitative and qualitative methods, that makes everything more solid. Multiple sources, mixed methods, really paint the clearest picture of, of the problem. That has been the issue for so long is we are only recording losses and we're only recording them in a quantitative way. So when we can diversify our data sets, when we can look at different things from different angles, it really, really uh, brings the greatest clarity to, to the
0: picture. Uh, Brian, if anybody wants to get a hold of you to find out any more information or what they can do to help out, what's the easiest way to do that?
1: um you know obviously firefighterrescuesurvey.com um to access the the continued information um right now through uh school probably the the best way to get a hold of me is is brush at okstate.edu that's the email address i'm using for um all of the uh the rescue civilian rescue project that i'm working on uh at the school and then, you know, hopefully in time, it's taken me a little bit right now to process all the information. Hopefully in time, I will be able to spit out a, uh, a clearer report, um, probably get some more articles out, just get the information out as much as I can for uh, what I have found in those first three months. But yep, uh, firefighterrescuesurvey.com or brush at okstate.edu and then also on Facebook as well.
0: Well Brian, I appreciate you taking the time to uh talk with us today. You're making a difference for sure in the fire service. And we appreciate all that effort and uh love the example you set as uh as a father, as a husband and as just an all around good dude. And I appreciate uh being able to call you friends. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in Indy here in a few months, man. it will be good. Yeah, uh, unfortunately I gotta sit this one out. So we got moved again, and it uh, conflicted with family vacation and if we 're going to say family first, we got to mean family yeah. first, so hopefully we'll be back in 2022 but I uh, wish you guys all the best and again, uh, appreciate coming on and we'll talk soon. All right, brother, be good. all right, everybody, thanks for listening, and until next time that 's the journeyman.